Hey, well, thank you for listening to this new podcast on the go. We are talking some sports, community activities, lifestyle trends, and more. I'm David Endress. You may know me as one of the hosts of Matra Day Radio's The Morning Blend. Well, today I am joined by a longtime friend who is really one of the best in the business when it comes to managing sports information and all that entails. And believe me, that's a lot, as you will hear. He is the Sports Information Director for the Oregon School Activities Association, the OSAA. We are pleased to welcome Steve Walker to the show. Steve, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, and thanks for the nice, kind words. Well, absolutely, and I go. We've known we go. Each, I'm trying to think how far we go back yep. a, a long, a long way. But first of all, how long have you been with the OSAA? So I started in 2000 in the summer of 2000. So if my math is correct, thankfully I kept working during the pandemic, which I was uh, very appreciative. This is the start of my. I'm in my 23rd school year, I guess. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> it's been yeah all of a sudden you wake up and you're you know, know. pushing 60 and uh like you know you feel like yesterday i was 35 and, i know um where the where the years go now all of a sudden my children are all you know 30 years old or the last one pushing 30 yep. and gosh where the years go i know what you're saying but uh, it's been a great career for you but how'd you get started in sports information it's very interesting. I was working in radio, and I knew a announcer who you knew, David, uh, Bill Johnson, oh, who sure. was uh, the Portland Pilots play-by-play man. Mm-hmm. Bill has since passed away. Uh, he was a great friend, and he alerted me to the sports information job at University of Portland being open. And this was like in 1989, mm-hmm. and I put my uh, hat in the ring, and it was a definitely a who you know thing because athletic director Joe Etzel was a neighbor of mine in Northwest Portland, kind of uh, behind Catlin Gable, St. Vincent's Hospital sure. area, and so. So I grew up with Jim Etzel, Tom, and <clears throat> Susan and Kathy. And anyway, I had a, had a foot in the door, and, and I was able to get the job and work there nine years for yeah. the pilots. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I, I never set out to get into sports information. I just kind of got pushed that way and, and encouraged by, you know, an associate, Bill Johnson, and then, just kind of learned on the fly. I didn't know what I was doing, so <laughs> I was just paying attention to what administrators and media were telling me what to do. <laughs> right. Well, and I think that's so true in sports broadcasting, sports reporting, sports information in general. A lot of us get into it with really, you know, not a lot of training. You happen right. to get a foot in the door, and you just go from there. Yeah, I. it came down to me when I started with the pilots, Paul Buecher from the Oregonian, who yep. you'd remember, David, was mm-hmm. uh, was our beat writer. Larry Steele was our head basketball coach. And I remember Paul just telling me, it boils down to this, like especially with, with basketball, and, you know, soccer was on, soccer was on the rise for sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, basketball was getting a lot of attention in the West Coast Conference, of course, and, and they were traveling to SID with the team. Most, most back then had a beat writer, Definitely, you know, a play-by-play person, 
and he just said, hey, are, what you're doing, is it taking care of your coaching staff needs, the local media, your beat writer, your radio announcer, the opponent's beat writer and radio announcer? If what you're doing is taking care of their needs, then you're doing your job. Wow. So that was nice for me to be able to just kind of outline that simply, okay, what am I doing and not doing and where, I, where do I need to improve? So, so I just kind of learned on, on the way. Yeah. And, you know, same, like you said, same with broadcasting. I started out, I was working for the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs uh, right out of Oregon State. Uh, they built a 100,000-watt FM radio station at Kenita and a smaller, another FM, KWSO, which is still there and managed by my good friend, Sue Matters, who's been there for decades now. But, you know, our station manager was a great play-by-play guy. And so I just kind of learned as I went. I would, you know, tape all my broadcasts of Madras High School football, basketball, baseball. And I was lucky enough that the guy I worked for was able to actually – you know, critique me and just kind of learn that way. Yeah, uh, it's wonderful. I mean, you and I in similar paths in that regard, out of Oregon State, like you, went to Salem and started working for stations there and said, hey, you know, I'd like to do some play-by-play for the uh, Valley League, as you recall, the Valley mm-hmm. League. And yeah, that's how it started. And so away you went. And, uh, you know, I think as long as you, as long as you weren't messing up too badly, uh, they let you do your thing. And, and hopefully you improved along the way. And obviously you did. And, and here you are today after being at the University of Portland. So did you go right out of the University of Portland then to the OSAA? No, it's really interesting. So I grew up in the garbage and recycle business in Northwest Portland, Walker Garbage oh, and sure. Recycling yeah. Incorporated. And I was starting to get a, just a, a little bit burnt out. You know, those are those are a lot of weekends and whatnot. Oh, as yeah. a as a person who works in the athletic departments at the collegiate level, as you know, and uh, we had three kids, and I was just considering maybe you know t- taking a taking a break. Well, as it turned out, we had someone leave the family business, and. I just said, you know what, why not? At this stage of my life, might as well just go see what it's like working for dad and working for with my brothers, mm-hmm. doing everything from, you know, being in the office to driving the recycle, yard debris or garbage trucks. I got my commercial driver's license. I worked for two years with uh, with the family. Mom offered to pay uh, for my uh, MBA. Yep. And so I was thinking about going back to school for a business uh, master's. But then after about a year in, and I was really enjoying be- being out on the truck, and it's always a nice, nicer job when the, uh, when the weather's better. Sure. Um, even though now it's so automated, you're inside most of the time anyway. Right. But after about a year, I started to kind of get the itch to get back in the communications. And, and so I start putting the feelers out and whatnot, and lo and behold, the uh, SAD job here at OSAA came open, and I was kind of a an 11th hour, put my hat in the ring guy, but again, through some uh, three really great who-you-knows, yeah. um, and I like to think my experience helped from University of Portland as a D1 SID, but mm-hmm. again, David, it was like, it was some friends and some some great recommendations that that got me in the door over here. Yeah. Who was the executive director at the OSAA at that time? 
uh, Wes Ediger, a fraternity brother from Oregon State from a different era, who yeah. played football for for the Beavers in the uh, 50s. And anyway, and, and Wes, as you might remember, he was a Salem administrator. I know him well. Yeah. Well, absolutely. When I was down there, I believe when I was doing Valley League at the time, principal at South Salem High School. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he may have been at North Salem as well. But yeah, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Remember Wes very well. We had a blast. He, he was only here, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think before he retired. I mean, maybe it was three years. Yeah. I'm looking back on it. But now, but then Tom Welter was kind of uh, his uh, right hand man here at the OSAA. And, and so I was able to work uh, for another great guy for Tom for you know several years. Right. And, and as you know, Stephen, as, a, as you've kind of alluded to, one of the beauties about the state of Oregon, and particularly if you're in the Willamette Valley area, is that there is this connection. There's so many people that you know who you've met in sports and athletics, and it's, it's really a, a big family. It, it really is. And, you know, I would throw the media in there, too. Sure. And there are just so many uh, folks who grew up here. And, like, for me, finding out, you know, I'm always interested now that I've worked here. It's like, well, where did you go to high school? Yeah. And, and then that starts the whole connection of this coach and that teacher and this administrator and uh, it really does tie us all in. I and 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 having seen it through, you know, uh, over twenty years now, just the the coaches and the athletic directors that I've connected with. I love going to the Oregon Athletic Directors um, Association uh, mm-hmm. conference each year in April in Sun River for a few days, and and uh, yeah, it's a, there's so many stories and. And so many uh, connections. It's it's just really a blast to uh, discover those. Right. I may be wrong about this, but did you go to Sunset? I did. Yeah, I did. I, I graduated so. yeah. in '81, uh, and I was lucky enough to play for Ken Harris for oh. one year. Played basketball for Coach Harris after he came up from Churchill. But yeah, just a what wonderful. And I talk about that, and I'm thinking about my own experience looking back on. The people that were in the building at Sunset at the time, from uh, Principal Jim Carlisle, just down through the the coaching staff and our and our teachers and all the administrators, I just just felt. I know people have different experiences in high school, but it, I just felt such great support, and I felt like people were working in the same. Now that I look back on yeah. it, it just seemed like. Like they were really working as a team, even though I wasn't aware of it at the time. I just liked going to school yeah. every day, and you know, like a lot of people involved in activities, whether you're on the speech team or choir, or band, or yep. football, or you know, you you're excited about your activity also. Well, Sunset High School too. Back in the day, not that it isn't now, but back in the day, Sunset was a real powerhouse. I mean. <laughs> In the mid late seventies, early eighties, uh, some great sports teams out of Sunset, out of the Metro League, the old Metro League, but some great athletes who came out of Sunset High School. Yeah, there really were. You know what? What one of my all-time favorites and, and a great family friend is Rob Kloss, who played for University of Oregon. Yeah. Actually, played baseball and basketball. But boy, you, you know, they just come to. They were, you know, like guys I really looked up to because I was a little guy going to games with my dad on on Friday nights, yeah. whether it was football or basketball. But 
uh, Stan Walker and, and Bob Franck oh. played basketball for, for UW. Yep. I'm trying to remember if Franck actually played some quarterback up there or not. I can't, I can't I remember Scott Teasing played yeah. tight end at UCLA. You had Van Pelt brothers. They won a couple of consecutive state football championships, and Coach Wittenberg won a bunch of Metro League titles. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, no, I appreciate your saying that. And like everything else, you know, you know, you opened another school, and Westview came along and was born out of Sunset. And now there's so many of us Westview parents that have, or Sunset parents that have Westview kids. We always yep. laugh about that. But uh, again, just a bunch of folks who stuck around and raised their families locally mm-hmm. and love continuing those connections. Well, and that area has grown so much over time. You, you talk yeah. about Westview, then Southridge comes in, now Mountainside. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's been an area that has just grown over the course of time and probably has cut into the uh, population of each of the high schools, I would guess. I don't know that for a fact. Right, and they and it's, it's switched them around. I mean, gosh, where I grew up, like I was talking about, there in the in the, you know, uh, foot of the West Hills, that was just a long time uh, sunset high school area. And a lot of guys came out of there and gals that were good, good athletes. They go to Beaverton High School now, so they go, they go to our rivals. So yeah. they're... <laughs> Things have changed. Uh, like you said, David, more doors were open, more schools were opened, and it, it changed things up. So mm-hmm. um, it is. It's incredible the, uh, the the amount of growth in the area. All you got to do is drive over by Mountainside High School, like Roy Rogers Road and right. whatnot, and just see the construction that that's happening. It's incredible. And you know, you mentioned the media and talking about the media folks over the years and, and so many of the media folks still in the area who are working uh, that we worked with back in the day. But I wanted to make note of this because I just saw this the other day and it was really sad to read that Steve Brandon passed away. And I'm sure you knew yeah. Steve. Yeah, uh, very well. Like a lot of folks did. Steve was that kind of guy, you know, going all the way back to George Pizarro and the Oregon Journal as a really young guy and then covering the trailblazers and Kerry Ager said he worked with Steve, you know, from journal Oregonian and then pamphlet media, yep. you know, Portland Tribune for 44 years. Mm. So, um, and then Steve most recently was working <laughs> just, and then they knew what they had in him, uh, working at the Polk County itemizer observer and nothing against itemizer observer but a much smaller paper than you sure. know what steve had you know worked uh, for in the in the portland area but yeah um steve passed away he had a um heart issue and mm-hmm. and uh, he'll be he'll be sorely missed he he was such a nice great person cleveland high school guy yep. i think he went to portland state i can't remember mm-hmm. exactly but he was just one of those guys who would just call you and just to see how things were going. You know, a lot of times it started out with maybe some work information he needed. But during the pandemic, I really appreciated getting a phone call and, and just, you know, chat with him. But, yeah, he'll, he'll be missed. He was one of those great ones and, yep. and, and you know, a really good example of, of a person. And um, he was just so kind and gentle and his, his at his celebration of life is his uh, daughter described him as a peacemaker. Yeah. And I, 
I thought that was a I thought that was a great description of yeah, him. Yeah, beautiful. Well, he he definitely will be missed and remembered as a true sports journalist here in the Oregon <laughs> area. And uh, obviously, his love for journalism continued even working at the smaller newspaper because he wanted to stay in it. Yeah, he did. He did, and he covered the heck out of it. He was covering the Western Oregon Wolves and baseball going on, the leagues of Portland Mavericks going on at uh, Salem Kaiser, yep. and you know, obviously you know, the high schools, and he was always a huge advocate for um, high school activities. There's something, I think, maybe it's quoted in Carrie Ager's tribute to him at carrieagers.com, yeah. but Steve has a, a paragraph of what he wrote and Carrie quoted regarding all the kids, now big kids, that, you know, played high school sports and how important it is for not just them at the time, but really for the whole community. And it was really good for me to hear that. Yeah, that, that's nice. And I'm glad we had a chance to mention Steve because of his yeah. legacy here as a sports writer. He would definitely will be missed. Well, let's jump back over to your job now at the OSAA. And I was looking at your website, which actually I have up right now, and it's so much information on there. It's awesome to go on there and look. I mean, yeah. you can if you want to know something about a high school team, a record, a league, a score, if you go to OSAA's, OSAA.org, you can go through it and find all of this information. But in your position, Steve, as the Sports Information Director, I show you under the website is handling media relations, broadcasting, radio network, the national network, game programs, statistics, results, historical records, archives, media passes, event credentials. What don't you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, trust me, there's a there's so much that goes on down here in this uh, office that that is just a... Uh, that's just a, a small drop in the bucket, believe it or not. But when you were when you were going through that, David, I was I was starting to get a little nervous about the upcoming uh, playoffs and yes. having the staff everything. It's always kind of a challenge, but but it's fun. You know, the championships will come up here. You know, with the with the start of the playoffs here late in the month, and then you know, beginning that first Saturday in October. You know, you'll get. We'll have volleyball at three different sites at cross country, and 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 then it'll just be a blur. You know, a soccer weekend, and then three football weekends. Right. Um, but what a huge change this year is uh, in football. We will finish all of our playoff games on Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, because I usually remember going into that first second week of December. We did. And there was some kind of, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember the, the exact reasons of why we made that switch. I know it definitely helps the kids moving on to a winter activity. Mm-hmm. A lot of states finish by then anyway, but generally it's, I always heard and thought it was because it was weather driven because, you know, other states weren't as mild as we are, but, but as, as you know, and everybody listening, I mean, Gosh, it gets a little chilly. Oh, it can be, it can be yes. you know unseasonably warm, or you know that first Saturday or second Saturday, if that's what we were going into. I remember some cold six oh, A. There was a finals. yeah, there was a six A final that I went to. I'm trying to remember who was in it now, and it was at uh, Providence Park. And it was Jesuit and Central. Yes. Played. 
pretty chilly one in there, mm-hmm. but you know, forty five hundred brave souls came oh. out and watched it. But I remember that was cold. I do. I, I think that was the game. In fact, yeah, I just remember the wind blowing through there, and it was like, oh man, I'll be glad when this thing's over. I'm getting, I'm getting kind of chilly. But, but I know, I, I know, I know I'm still guilty because I'm up in the press right, box, yeah. and my my coworkers are uh, down on the sidelines, kind of helping managing what's going on down there so well you I'm deserve spoiled, to be up there but, yeah that's right so yeah, but the I get, thing, I'm, I'm older than everybody now i deserve it <laughs> yeah that's right you are up there with your sweater and a uh, cup of coffee <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i know what you're saying though about because there's a lot of a uh, lot of the players that both both in the girls and boys that will play a fall sport and if they make it in deep into the playoffs they may miss a winter sport they can't start like basketball they're a basketball player too and they don't maybe show up until the second third week into the basketball season right and this will definitely help them that that will there'll still be a little bit of a acclimation period depending on the program but uh, that definitely will help the uh, the kids coming from the fall and then the coaches the winter coaches who are mm-hmm. trying to get them you know, are incorporated right away. And you know what, our ranking system, you know, like it or not like it, the ranking system, you know, some of these teams have pretty good non-conference matchups scheduled early. Right. Where you'd like, if you've got a, like, you know, great volleyball player that's a huge part of your girls' basketball program, boy, it's great to get her sooner and later mm-hmm. as far as your, uh, you know, to be able to be as competitive as possible early. Right. No, I, I know exactly what you're saying there. And going back to football, too, at the 6A level, the big school level, there's a change this year in the playoffs that I thought was pretty interesting and in how they're going to do it. So talk about what those changes are this year at the 6A level. Sure. And then there's another one I'll mention also, sure. non-6A. But at the 6A level, we've had a committee of our ad hoc football committee made up of athletic directors and football coaches who have just been grinding on this idea of what we need to do to make early round games more competitive. Right. As, as you know, and people who follow high school football, some of those in that 32-team bracket, some of those early round games can be pretty lopsided. You know, if you've got a, you've got a Jesuit or a Westland or a Tiger there up the top, you know, facing a, a team that, you know, maybe just creeped in, down at number 32, yeah. you know, 1 versus 32, 31, et cetera. So they explored a lot of options from, you know, going to a 124 team bracket. What were some of the options? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. But to answer your question, what they decided to do and ultimately what our executive board accepted from them and voted in was a two sixteen team bracket. So now that thirty two team bracket is split into two. Right. The higher rank sixteen will play for what actually will be the six A championship. Yep. The bottom sixteen is gonna and they do this in lacrosse. In fact I think they call it the Columbia Cup and that's mm-hmm. what we're calling it. I don't know if we're being copycats or <laughs> or that was just dumb luck. But our second 16 will play for what's called the Columbia Cup. And those will be treated like, you know, playoff games from, you know, OSA perspective, right. from, you know, uh, have NFHS network, our radio network in the semifinals, statistics, that type of thing. So it's a, it's a big change. You know, I, I think depending on who you are and how long you've been around, you have different 
different thoughts on that. I know I do, honestly. But you know what? Those guys spent a lot of time during that committee run those those schedule meetings so i'm you know going to see how it works out no, and I, I, I certainly understand you know? it because i've seen some of those games where yeah. the top seed plays the 32 seed and it ends up being a you know a 65 to nothing ball game and you know that's not fun for particularly right. for the school that's on the bottom end of that thing but right. so i can see where the balance is there and trying to make things a little bit more equitable so hey let's see let's see how it goes but you said there's another change too yeah, yeah, we added, we, we, we brought back six-man football. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, you did? Okay. Yes, and um, so six-man football has been organized and has been playing for a few years now. Yeah. Now, I, I should be able to, I'm looking at my archives link, Oregon had six-man football. I'm looking at our records archives page, mm-hmm. and I'm going back to our, let's see, 40 up until... 1959, okay. uh, Oregon had six-man football. And then in 1960, uh, football, it, it was changed to eight-man. I remember eight-man football. So now we are going to have... It, it's There's been a lot of changes, David. There, the teams can play, even though there's not a nine-man football right. championship, Teams can play nine-man, and you'd have to ask a, uh, a more knowledgeable football person mm-hmm. on the details of what's different between eight and nine and what that's, why that's such a big deal. But right now, six-man was officially added back as an OSAA championship. So right. we're going to have 6A, 5A, 4A, 3A, mm-hmm. 2A. We're going to have 1A8 and 1A6. When the ad hoc committee was talking about going 11-man, 9-man, 6-man, the the 8-man folks, um, you know, were up in arms because now we've had such a rich tradition and history of 8-man football in the state. So ultimately, I don't know what what the coaches will decide and, and eventually our executive board um, but that's where we are right now. So no, that's great. If you thought eight man was a track meet, come and watch six man. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> I want to think back here too, and you might know. I'm trying to think who the coach was, but he, I think he was an eight man football coach, one of the all time winningest coaches in the state of Oregon. Oh gosh. We have, well, Jack Henderson at Dufer. Okay, that's is, yeah. Is definitely, um, and I and I should. You you may be talking about somebody else, and I. And I and I should be able to come up with another name or two, but Jack, who's still a rel- relatively young man, I say that because he I know he's younger by a few years than than I am. But Jack has been like simultaneously like the superintendent, athletic director, and football coach up mm-hmm. at Little Dufer yeah. High School up near Ty Valley, south of the Dalles. But there's been others. There's been we've had, like I said, we have a rich tradition, and if you go look at the uh, NFHS record book in football, there is just so many Oregon entries. And part of that is because we've had such a great team of like prep historian uh, yes. guys who've done this as their hobby that 
they have just been amazing on uh, keeping Oregon's information at the forefront nationally. I want to say it was like St. Paul or Dayton, one of those schools. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you think of, when I think of Dayton, I think of Dewey Sullivan. That's it, Um, yeah. And they were were 11 men at the time, and Dewey's in the the NFHS National High School Hall of Fame. Jack is somebody we will definitely nominate it at, at some point. Nice. But yeah, St. Paul, Tony Smith is there now, another mm-hmm. great coach. I mean, the, the, there's just so many household names of, um, and you know, what's been interesting is, is a lot of these guys and gals, you see a lot of times the track of the teacher going on and being, and who's the coach right. and then becomes an administrator and has to give up the, the coaching. And a lot of times that's great because it fits what their family is. Mm-hmm. Maybe with their with their spouse or with their with their you know the, their kids and those ages, but some of these folks have just made a lifetime career out of being a coach or an athletic yeah. director. God bless them too, because yeah. I mean that's a true commitment. It's a time commitment. It's oh a my God. family yeah. commitment, and so there are so many young people who have who are now adults that were mentored or coached by these people who made a true commitment to make them better people. Absolutely. And then what really makes them feel old is when uh, they come back and, and are, are coaching themselves and, and then, uh, or, or, or uh, you're coaching someone's grandkid. Exactly. Um, you know, it's, uh, or, or someone, some, someone's, someone's kid. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Craig, Rothenberger at Junction City. He's been he's pushing fifty years there, mm-hmm. and he's still he's going to be one of those lifetime workers. And yeah. and as you were talking about it, you were making a point just now. I was thinking about you got to have the right kind of family dynamic, that, especially for like an athletic director. That uh, time commitment, and I know principals and superintendents at these at these districts put in a ton of time too, but. That's all got to work out. But yeah, in Craig's case, he is coaching his grandkids. Yeah. That's uh, it's just been a wonder, wonderful, long career, and and a guy who's like really never, never stopped being just so active in the OSA. Same with like Pete Lukage at Sunset, yeah. who came in my senior year in eighty eighty one, and he's still there as athletic director. Amazing, you know it's it's yeah. not it's not a job; it's a vocation. And that's that's what it is. And uh, again, the world is a better place thanks to so many of these people who have made that commitment to young people. I mean, it's true. You know, that's it. Yeah, they have huge impacts on us. I don't know if it was you and I talking the other day when we were setting this up or someone else, but um, what I've always thought about is, is there's some important people in my life that really, when you look back on it, unlike your parents who had you for right. so, so long, that coaches that may, and teachers that may be administrators that maybe had a huge impact on you, you maybe have only been with them in a building for a year. You mm-hmm. maybe only played on their team for one season, and so we're only around them for a few months. But they had a lifelong impact yep. on you, and I have those people oh, in my life. No, that, no. I think it's a good thing to remember for, for people who are setting an example for, for young folks. Yeah, no no question about that. Well, another thing I wanted to get to before we run out of time here, and that is I want to talk basketball because this is a big deal, particularly for all of us who played basketball in school, in high school in particular, 
And now we're going to see for the first time, I believe it's the first time in the state of Oregon, correct me if I'm wrong, a a shot clock. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that will go into effect. So what are we, 22-23, so 23-24 season. So now all the all the heavy lifting begins where the you know the coaches and the association and the membership did a lot of the heavy lifting already just getting to the point where the state you know adopted it but now just from an equipment standpoint so in in money standpoint this all needs to be implemented so that's where we are now trying to uh, assist schools with um uh, that process, and because it's been it done, as you know, David, in, in several other states, mm-hmm. including Washington and California, and so we have a lot of examples to draw from. That, and that was one of the big, you know, the people that were against the shot clock, you know, one of the arguments was, well, now you got to have another really important person at your scores table, and you're going to have to recruit that person, and you're going to have to have the equipment. Well, we're here. I mean, that ship has sailed. Yeah. And now, you know, we have, we have to do that. So I, I think our partner, Play Fly Sports, and which is actually Ian Frost and uh, Connor Heinz, they're actually embedded in our office and really seem like coworkers and OSA employees. Right. But, they own our property. They're like a Learfield or, a, you know, yeah. I, Learfield IMG. Mm-hmm. And so they, what I know what they're doing now is talking to some of the companies to see if there's something that can be done. You know, is there a discount? Is there a mass discount we can do? Um, you know, what do they advise on what you, what you currently have to what needs to be added to your scoreboard, that type of thing. So, gotcha. um, but it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be different, oh, and yeah. you know, vast majority of coaches were in favor of it. So, forty second shot clock. Remind me, thirty five. Thirty five second shot clock. Okay, there you go. And just at the varsity level, correct? You're correct. Yeah. For now, just the varsity level. I thought that was a good move yeah. because. Like, if you think about, like, you go over to Oregon City High School, I mean, they have gyms for days over there. Mm-hmm. Where, But, like, I think of, like, Sunset High School, our upper gym there, you don't really even, they don't even really play games up there anymore. But more so than that, it's let's get it started at the varsity level first. That doesn't mean the other teams can't practice it and whatnot, right. the the other levels, but from uh, just schools being able to put it into motion and the installation and the funding that goes and the and the recruiting of a you know good few volunteers to mm-hmm. to uh, run that clock for you. Let's just do it at one level first and go from there. Gotcha. Well, I guess there goes my four-corner stall coaching. I'm done. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that was the other that was the other part of the argument yeah. from um, you know, I mentioned, you know, coach Rothenberger. Some would say that coach Rothenberger would be able to out-coach somebody with say uh, a more powerful, more athletic, better better team just from from a coaching standpoint they feel and this was a, there were so many good arguments on on each side but yeah. um some thought that the shot clock will favor the more athletic teams mm-hmm. but we'll see yeah well you don't know until you get out there and do it so uh, it'll yeah. be another change 
Steve Walker is the Sports Information Director at the Oregon School Activities Association, the OSAA. And Steve, I I know you're a busy guy as I enumerated all of the things that you have to do, and that's just a small snippet of things that you have going on. So I know you're busy, want to cut you loose here, but... The OSAA has been around for, I mean, 19, I was looking at the website, 19... 18? 19, 19 was our first basketball championship. Yeah. and I'm not, If I'm not mistaken, I should know that it, off the top of my head. It was the Oregon State High School Athletics Association, and then the name changed to the OSAA in 1947, because it really encompassed more than just sports. There were, there were other activities involved, but you're talking about... 426 individual events, state championships, 113 teams. I mean, the numbers are staggering when you think about the number of teams that are involved, people involved with the OSAA. It's it's a it's a vast organization, and so we we just kind of scratch the surface. It's amazing the the group of people we have here, but really, it's the membership as a whole. It's the our, we have a great executive board. We have a delegate assembly meeting coming up on Monday. We have a representative of every league at every classification level in the state, in, including and then plus representatives from Oregon Athletic Directors Association, Oregon Athletic Coaches Association, Oregon Athletic Officials Association, our activities, which represent dance and music and speech, Oregon School Boards Association. That sounds maybe to some, wow, that's pretty bureaucratic. But at the same time, it's really all-encompassing. And we've got, which I've heard is always mentioned by our athletic director and coaching association leaders, is that Oregon as a state is, is really kind of a bell cow when it comes to working together and collaboration right. and whatnot. And I think a lot of other states have really tried to, uh, from what I've heard from these guys and gals, is uh, to t- try to follow suit. So we're part of a great team. Yeah, and we haven't even talked about, too, the sponsorships and the business yeah, end gosh. of things that yeah, go into point. the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> Community Credit Union, I mean, it's... goes on and on, Mo- Moda, yeah. uh, Moda Health. I should, I should stop right there because <laughs> I'm not yeah, a marketing gonna, yeah. person who can, who, who can list them yeah. off the top of his head. Yeah, we can't do what we do here without them whatsoever. Well, look, I appreciate everything you do. I appreciate your time today because I, I know you're busy and I appreciate the OSAA and, and all of your activities. Likewise, my friend. I love what you guys are doing. I just really appreciate your thinking about me for this. It's really, uh, really a blast just to chat with you. Yeah, we go down memory lane, that's for sure, when, yep. we, when we go back to all of the sports back over the years. Again, Steve Walker, he is the Sports Information Director for the Oregon School Activities Association, the OSAA. Steve, God bless you. I really appreciate your time, and good luck with the playoffs coming up. God bless you and all. Thank you very much. It'll be a blur. It'll be, it's a fun blur. Take care. And thank you for listening to On The Go, this podcast available on the Hail Mary Media app, brought to you by Mater Day Radio. I'm David Endress, and I'll talk to you soon.